Welcome to the One Mind Dogs from the Dogs Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Nora Keskiavari, and on this show, we will explore personal dog journeys and uncover how we can become the best possible dog owners from the dog's perspective, of course. Our super interesting guest today is Lisa. She's an agility instructor from the United States with over 20 years of experience in horticultural therapy. Lisa made the transition to teaching agility time. Dogs are her true passion and a major part of her world. I can't wait to hear more about her story. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. We can't wait to hear more about your inspiring journey. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Liza. I'm glad to be with you. I live in Northern California. I teach agility here where I live. I live with four dogs and I've been doing agility, as you said, for yeah. 23 years now. I'm really passionate about dogs and about the sport, and I had a great time doing it. Yes, so I can't wait. And now I just noticed that I pronounced your name a little bit Finglish way, so it's Liza. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I should have noticed. Um, yeah. Well, let's get started with the with dogs. Um, what was your very first experience with dogs? Can you remember anything about that? And if you could share your Uh, first dog experience as well? My first dog experience, I don't remember, but I remember the story because my mother gave birth to me by herself at home. And we had a Weimaraner and the Weimaraner was there at the birth and was very excited about me coming into the world. And there was a lot of commotion. And then when I was an infant in the bassinet, the Weimaraner was between me and everyone else. My mom always said that that's what happened with me and my Uh, bonding with dogs because uh, from the very beginning of my life, I was staring up into a dog's face. <laughs> But uh, he was my constant companion and I, I've always had a dog. There was two years in my life where I had a gap between when my senior dog left me and when I got a new dog. But other than that, I've always had dogs. Oh my God, that's a very unique story, I have to say, but it's so heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, if you if you think about it a little bit further, like what is the thing with dogs? What's inspiring and what is motivating you? Well, they're always so optimistic. They're always happy to see you. They're always optimistic. They're um, really much more intelligent than we tend to give them credit for. And mostly if they're given a chance, they're very, very resilient. I just love watching them learn and apply themselves and figure things out. And then they look to you and they're so proud of themselves and they don't argue like people do. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's indeed. Uh, and that actually takes us to, uh, to one mind dogs because the method is all about the dog's perspective and the dog's point of view and everything uh, we teach is about seeing the world from their perspective. In this podcast, we want to share real life stories about how learning more about the dog's perspective actually has impacted um, life with dogs. Liza, you have joined One Mind Dogs community about 10 years ago. Tell us, how did you get started with One Mind Dogs? Sure. Um, well, my teacher at the time was Rachel Sanders, and she was one of the first coaches. And she brought Yako and Yanita. Maybe I'm mispronouncing her name. <laughs> no, that um, was perfect. <laughs> she brought them to Tulare, and I got to go to a seminar. I remember I learned a back lap. Um, that was the first technique I learned. And I was dumbfounded by how the dogs 
could just do things. If you got your handling halfway in the ballpark, the dogs would just say, oh yeah, that's the thing I'm doing. That's the thing I'm doing. And I came away from that, that workshop saying, that's it. I'm, I'm only going to learn this, this way of handling from now on. And Rachel was quite adamant about it too. So I had her and then the website started the end of 2013, right in 2014. And I was hooked and attended many, many, many trainings after that. Now I want to absolutely hear more about, about uh, what you have experienced uh, with, with that. So what can you mention a moment or, or detail that what was your biggest kind of eye opener when you think about learning more about the dog's perspective with one of my dogs? Well, um, I learned that there's a there's always a reason for what the dogs are doing. And uh, case in point, there was an article about a weave pull situation. Um, you'll remember it in 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 your website where all the dogs that were skilled dogs were missing the weave pull entrance, and they couldn't figure out until they got down on the floor and they looked at it from the dog's perspective. And there was a staircase back behind the weave poles. And so it looked like there was a 13th pole. That was a huge thing to me. I was like, there is always a reason. And I started learning to get down on the floor and look from the dog's perspective or or notice what the dog is smelling or hearing. Uh, that was one of the biggest things, along with the handling. The handling is a whole different topic. Well, that is indeed a a really eye-opening moment for many, I guess. What hey, can you actually at this point share share us a little bit about your dogs? Like maybe your previous dogs and the dogs you have currently. And how are you um kind of active with them? Well, I'm on my sixth agility dog. Maybe we'll see. We'll see if he wants to do agility. And uh I had three Aussies, one of which is still alive. He's my old guy. And then Hefe came along and he was my first dog that I trained specifically one mind. I was learning one mind stuff when he was a puppy. He took to it amazingly well and we've been we've had a lot of successes. And then both my one mind instructors, I mean coaches in the States and in Finland said, okay, now you need a dog that puts pressure on you. So I got a border whippet from Jen Pender and he is lightning fast. And so now I had to learn a whole new skill set of things. And then now I have a one-year-old puppy and he's a mix of Whippet, Border Collie, and Terrier. But the Terrier rules the roost on him. So we're we're going to see about him. Oh no. <laughs> That sounds like a challenge for the yes, future. Yes, yes, fun women. Fun one. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. When you go back to to training your dogs um let's put it in in this way like is there something that you have learned about dog training or dog's perspective that has changed you as a as a person or or somehow changed how you behave yourself or think yourself absolutely one thing that i have learned is uh, what they taught me that um the emotional state that the dog is in when he learns something is going to transfer to that something Um, that shapes how I train. The other thing is, is that when I'm speaking their language, we can get a lot more done a lot quicker. And I don't have to bore my dog with repetition, repetition, repetition. Here in the States, that is pretty much a mindset that we slice things very, very finely. And we don't, we, we don't up the ante with the dogs very quickly. And one mind Yanada taught me a long time ago, you know, this is natural to them. Move on, move on, move on, keep them, 
happy. Don't let them get bored. They are capable of so much more. Throw stuff at them, support them and see what you get. And there's a reason for it. And then you'll learn something. They'll learn something and everybody progresses. And then the dog's confidence just builds. And the other thing that she taught me was that when the dogs come into the training environment, they should feel like it's Disneyland and and they're in charge of all the rides. And I find that the dog's enthusiasm and their learning curve just shoots up when you when you come at it from that perspective. That was really well put. Um, well, if we go to these eye-opening moments to to hurdles you have faced with your dogs or or challenges you have faced, um, could you and could you share us something? Some of those we all have had those, and also describe a little bit like how you overcame them. Um, let's see. Well, with Hefe, it was speed. Um, he's super super. Um, He's very accurate, but as we know, if you're uh, if everything's under control, you're not going fast enough. And he also did not um, see the reason to forsake one tunnel entrance for a perfectly good one. So um, I had a lot of work to do to teach him to follow in my handling around tunnels because eh, maybe being a terrier, they were. But building his speed and uh, overcoming that particular thing was Hefe's thing. With Lee, his name is L-I-I for learning is infinite because I got him to learn. Yes, um, he is just so much faster than I am. And I, all of my fine handling that I learned with Hefe is great. But if you're not even visually relevant because you're 30, 40 feet back, then it doesn't help you a whole lot. And um, what he taught me is that dogs can stack commands you can form sentences with them they are processing so quickly that you need to get your cues out whether they're they be physical or verbal so much sooner than you think is comfortable because if they can get their information in time they can do this the things um he's such a wonderful dog he tries so hard but i had to dip my toe into the world of verbals because i just wasn't there that's been a journey but also As I was reminded by Tulia just a few weeks ago, because she was here in the States and I got to work with her, relying on those verbals makes you lazy with your handling. With him, I've had to do that training, but also I can't just let what I know about my physical handling go, even from way behind. So um, that's been my huge challenge with him, and it's been a, a lovely journey. Now, with the new puppy, He's the first dog I've ever had that's not really particularly into the game. He's very distracted by the environment. And I have to really, really make it worth his while. I had learned from him about latent learning because I thought <clears throat> when I was first showing him things and he couldn't do them, I was like, oh, my puppy, it's dumb. But then I would put it away for a day or two and bring it out again. He's like, oh, I got that. So he processes completely differently. So he's teaching me an enormous amount that's helping my teaching. Each one of these dogs, I've gotten to learn something particular, and then it's transformed my teaching. That's so correct. And isn't it great that all of them will teach you the different things? So <laughs> you have to always extend your understanding and and the level of 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 the abilities um i have to mention my also um one of my was it my third agility dog um at the time i i got her when when she was uh, a little bit 
like a little bit less than one year old and and she was a Parson Jack Russell. And I thought that because she had that drive, I thought like, absolutely, it's easy to (laughs) (laughs) take it to to agility. Well, she didn't care at all, at all. And um, well, then I I had to also learn how to motivate that type of dog and how to really build it. And you have to be so uh, patient. You, and you have to break it to so small, tiny bits that you even feel that it's this is insane. But then when you just stick with that, um, it will reward you later. She was funny and that didn't go out of her at all. Um, but I was able to go to tryouts and all that in the end. So it was a big journey, but I did it. Yeah. And I also feel that that was maybe one of the best learnings because then because many people are are struggling with this topic. So then it's easier to help them. So that's that's super, super good. When you think about then on the other hand, like your what are your top highlights with with your dog and in your life? Uh competitive wise? You can measure it yourself yeah. or <laughs> right. it can well, be anything. Um right. So I've been quite successful with Hefe. We've we've been very lucky and I've been on the WAO team um i made the team four times but i got to go three times um and he's just been perfect and it's been wonderful traveling with him and competing with him he's a wonderful travel companion um my highlights with lee i'm hoping are yet to come because he's five years old and we're we're finally starting to put some stuff together i broke my ankle when he was a puppy so we had and then the pandemic hit. So there was a big chunk of time. One of the highlights about Hefe and Lee are they are amazing school dogs. I don't know why we in agility don't do things like horse people do because horse people, person who doesn't know how to ride learns on a school horse and a dog, a horse that doesn't know how to do the things gets, gets a, a good trainer. And so I found with a lot of my clients that if I can let them run a dog that's trained and knows the things, then that opens up a huge world to them. They're like, oh, that's what it feels like. Okay, now I know what I'm working for. So both Lee and Hefe are amazing school school dogs. And I would say that my biggest highlight with my puppy right now is when I'm down in the arena and he has a toy in his mouth and he looks to me and he offers to come to me and engage with me with a toy. Like right now, that almost brings tears to my eyes because I've fought long and hard for it. So <laughs> exactly. So and the, and the feeling is the same. So it doesn't matter what happens, but if you are achieving your your that time of uh, like goal that you have set. So <laughs> yes, yes. It's again from the dog's perspective. So because they are all in the same um, in the in the different levels and they have different goals. <laughs> so so that's a that's a good good way to think about it. How has it impacted your life in general when you started to learn more about the dog's perspective in in training and living with your dogs? Well, it's impacted my teaching the most. The way I teach agility completely changed. And uh, so that's the biggest impact. As far as living with my dogs and my training with them, I have um, started observing them like a beloved you know did you ever have a crush on somebody in high school and you just you just watched them all the time and you wanted to know what was their favorite 
food and, and, you know, where did they go? And, you know, what were their books that they liked to read? And if you were really crushed out on somebody, you really wanted to just hang on everything about them. I do that with a, a, a new dog to just see, well, do you like rabbit versus sheepskin? Do you like Frisbee versus ball? Do you like which food? You know, how do you play with other dogs? And then I really, really get to know them as a personality and as an individual. And then I can formulate my training plan from there. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. And that that's that's so um, well said. And I think everyone will understand <laughs> that <laughs> is definitely. And and some like I think many many times people um, kind of skip that part and go directly to just working or or training them and not to observing them and giving them time. So that's really kind of topical thing as well at this time. Well, let's go to that um, that part of dog ownership. So if someone in your like friends and family is going to get uh, their their first dog, what would be your tips to them? In general, I would say be fun, be patient, and be predictable. All three of those things the dog needs. And um, as you're observing them and getting to know them, make sure that uh, you are super fun. You may not always be as fun as what they want to play with, but you know you're going to try. Um, and get them out. Get them out to as many places as you can. And um, throw a lot of stuff at them uh, because you don't know. You you may have an agenda that I just got this puppy and he's going to be the best agility dog. But you don't know what his talents are and what he wants to do. Just expose him to a lot of stuff, a lot of places and activities and within reason, you know, with, with good uh, advice, other dogs, you know, um, I would say never set foot in a dog park personally because I don't think it's a good place for for most dogs but really really give them a lot of opportunities I guess I don't have children but if I had if I did have children you know they would get an opportunity to try music and sports and camping and swimming and all the things and I think we should take that attitude with with dogs as well I was just about like to say that, and and I was thinking the same like uh, with our with my kids, uh, we have been trying to do that, and the and you can see with children that how different they are uh, from each other, and and what they like and what they don't like, and all their temper and everything. So, and that's the same with with dogs and puppies. Even when what one litter, I was just um, visiting a, a a litter and three puppies, and they were all totally totally different with each other so that's sometimes hard to um, understand uh, for people who don't who haven't heard about this so they might think that all dogs are same or all the same breed uh, puppies are um, the same type of dogs but no that's not the case hey Liza your background is truly fascinating um, <laughs> we would love to hear more about your um, previous careers and also theater experiences and all that. So please share us um, your stories from from that world. Well, in high school and college, I did theater. I was um, a bit of a withdrawn kind of person. So of course, I started theater to get me out of my shell. And I think my family has a bit of a theatrical flair. So I did theater in um, 
college and did summer stock and and then um, kind of just bummed around for a little bit. And and then I ended up when I came out to California, I got involved in horticulture, learning to do uh, organic farming specifically, and then immediately got drawn into doing horticultural therapy, which is hard to say. It is. <laughs> it is hard to say. <laughs> and it's basically just taking the growing of plants and using them as a therapeutic model. First, I worked in the San Francisco County Jail. There were times when um, there was a time back in the day when the Rod- Rodney King riots were happening that all the deputies were out in the streets. And so the civilians were were running the jail. And um, that was interesting. It was fairly frightening. So I was uh, working in the jail and I was also working in um, small private mental institute for severely schizophrenic patients. And they worked in the garden and that was their behavior modification. And then I uh, spent 16 years in a drug and alcohol rehab. I started the women's program. And uh, a lot of these women were um, incarcerated behind drugs and had lost their children. And um, they were too damaged to be able to nurture any any people. They didn't have faith in themselves anymore. So we'd start with seedlings. And so they gardened and made compost and grew food. And then the food that they grew fed their friends and the dinner table. So they were feeding each other. And um, so I did that for a long time. And uh, in the process, I also studied um, botany and, and um, learning the scientific names for plants. So when um, people complain about one mind dogs having 32 techniques, I'm like, that's nothing. That's nothing. I've got, I've got hundreds in my head. So <laughs> you can remember these. But anyway, um, and then uh, I started doing agility on the side and uh, about three years into doing agility, um, I'm, I'm working full time and I'm doing agility. And then um, I was at a class and I was like, oh, gosh, this instructor's terrible. I could do better than that. So I started doing some classes on the side. And then when my job transitioned out and um, that work came to an end, I just moved into agility training. And it's been very interesting because the dogs are easy, as you know. The people are the ones that are harder to convince because we are teaching them a second language. That is the big struggle of One Mind Dogs, I think, is convincing people, no, we're not going to train the dog to understand our language. I'm going to teach you the dog's language and you're going to love it. But um, all of my skills for working with, quote, difficult populations and my um, ability to to joke and draw metaphors. I think that's one of my strongest suits is I can make, I can, I can reach for a metaphor that resonates with a person and make them go, Oh, huh. That does kind of make sense now that you put it that way. So that's where I am. That's, that's how that, that all came about. All of that before has poured into my teaching now. Wow. That's a journey. Um, <laughs> it is a journey. <laughs> it's like, um, yes, I'm sure many of our listeners are, also like stopped for a while and could, <laughs> with their thoughts and maybe re uh, listening to this uh, part of it because there were so many things and so incredible things and amazing things happening thank you so much for sharing that it was so in uh, inspiring and interesting and it's it's uh, interesting also to like all these stories then they end up with 
being really addicted to dogs and, <laughs> and agility. Well, yeah, the the dog addiction that was going along the whole time anyway. And I okay. had I always had dogs in the garden. I always had oh, my really? dogs in the garden okay. and they were part of the therapeutic process. Absolutely. Yes. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's now move to a little bit different uh, topic. Um, well, dogs. Uh, <laughs> dogs, yeah. If there is one ch- uh, like thing that you could change in the world, like in the world to make dog li- dogs' lives better, what would that thing be? The thing that happened with me, I was raised in a time where I was expected to perform and do well. And my thoughts and opinions really didn't have much of a say in anything. And dogs were dogs, and they were supposed to be obedient and perform. And what has changed in my life is that I understand them to be sentient beings. And um, I wish for everybody to give them the credit that they deserve, that they are capable of a great deal and to also give them a little bit of mm, ability to express themselves. I'm not real fond of the term fur babies. Right? Mm. People call yeah, because I think that infantilizes them. And uh I think it kind of sells them short because uh they're capable of so much more. The other the other week um when we were with Tulia, Tulia and Ann Grauman were working together and they were speaking in Finnish and I said, we're, we're missing out on, you know, what's going on here. And the upshot of it was Tulia was telling her to, it was a Finnish word and they didn't have a translation for it, but they basically said so much baby talk, mm. Stop baby talking to your dog. And um, I would wish for the world to understand them as beings, give them credit and give them some um, autonomy to to make some choices. I know that's not one word. It's a lot of words. But I would say if you as a dog owner can observe your dog, not through the lens of your agenda, I have a certain vision for you. And maybe I can put that aside for a minute and observe you as an individual and see, get to know you and then work with that. I know. Right. There's too many words. (laughs) Right. It was a little bit more than one word, but yes, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) no worries this is all about these excellent stories is there anything that i didn't ask and you would like to share with us well if you're a new dog person or maybe you're training for sports maybe you're not make sure you get yourself a good teacher and if you can't access a good teacher if you're maybe remote somewhere then um, access some good online stuff one Mind Dogs is an, an, a credible source, Fenzy. You know, you can get help um, online, some good guidance. And then if you're only relying on online help, video yourself with your dog. Video your training sessions and watch yourself and then watch what the dog does. And then you'll see some amazing things because, you know, sometimes dogs, they they try very politely to change the subject. They try very hard to say, excuse me, but my brain is tired and I'm not having fun anymore and I'm trying to be good, but I we should have stopped five minutes ago. Um, and if you're new to dogs, 
you might miss that. It'll help your life with your dog and your training a whole lot if you can see that sort of stuff and learn that sort of stuff, regardless of whether you're going to do sports or you're just going to learn how to walk into the cafe and back. That's again really well said, and and it's it's great to finalize the episode with this wisdom. Hey, Liza, thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing your incredible life stories. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm happy to be asked. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the One Mind Dogs from the Dogs Perspective podcast. We hope you have gained inspiration for your own life with your dogs and for learning more about the dogs perspective. Remember to follow One Mind Dogs on social media and sign up for the podcast newsletter to stay updated on our latest episodes and exciting content. Also, we would like to hear from you. So tag One Mind Dogs and share a special moment with your dogs in your social media channels. Yes, see you next time.